you lads, we're trying our very best to keep the community going as much as we can. We'll bring you a little bit more information about that later because we've changing tack ever so slightly. We're now going to be trying to come to you live, not only on Sunday, but also on Tuesday. We're going to try and reinstitute night church, although it might be a very much, much boiled down night church. But we're going to try and reintroduce that as we go forward. We're going to start next Tuesday night at half past seven, but I'll tell you a little bit more about that in the while. What we really want to do is we want to gather here this morning, we want to gather around God's word. We want to focus our hearts and minds in the middle of an uncertain world, and that's the message we're going to be looking at in a little while. In the middle of an uncertain world, we want to fix our eyes on things that are unchangeable and are eternal. We want to fix our eyes this morning on God, who, despite our changing circumstances, never changes. We're going to sing a worship song. We're going to sing a song that we actually had lifted from the Grace uh, playlist. We've been playing this for the last few years. It's a song called This Is Amazing Grace, written by one of the most talented Christian songwriters in the world, a guy called Phil Wickham. He wrote a song called This Is Amazing Grace. And I'm going to encourage you, if you will, as we sing it, to sing along with it. Let's focus our heads and our hearts and our souls. Let's really do church. Because when we come to church, even if we're doing it online, what we want to do is connect with Jesus above all else. Let's pray before we do that. Lord, we come before you this morning and ask you that you'd hear our prayers. Hear our songs. Hear the cry of our heart, Lord, this morning. You know where we're at emotionally, psychologically, spiritually. But Lord, we thank you that you always make a way for us. And you always welcome us into your presence. Bless us as we worship you and listen to your word. In Jesus' name. Let's sing up. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty? So much stronger, the King of glory, the King above all kings. Who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder and leaves us restless in awe and wonder, the King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace, this is unfailing love. That you would take my place, that you would bear my cross, you would lay down your life, that I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Who brings our chaos back into order? The son and daughter, the king of glory, the king above all kings. Who rules the nations with truth and justice? Time like a sun in all of its brilliance. The king of glory, the king above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place, that you would bear my cross, you would lay down your life, that I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Unworthy is the Lamb who was slain. 
that you would bless us as we gather around looking for your hope and your life and your truth. Let your Holy Spirit bring those words from two dimension into three dimension in our lives. In Jesus' name and God's people said, exactly. God bless you, brothers and sisters. We're going to just gonna pack the guitar for a second. We're going to take a look at God's word. You know, at the moment, the title of this morning's message is called Faith in uncertain times. You know, a couple of weeks ago, there was a lot of certainty. We had a lot of certainty about the economic future of the country. We had a lot of certainty about the employment situation. We had a lot of certainty about the health situation. We lived in times of peace and plenty and prosperity. And everybody had a sense of where this was going. And nobody really saw what was about to happen and how much upheaval our lives have experienced. We live in what feels like unprecedented times. What can we make of these unprecedented times? Well, the truth of it is, they're not entirely unprecedented. Times like these have happened many, many times in history. In actual fact, when we look at uncertain times, we have to wake up to a reality, and the reality is this, that uncertain times have been the norm throughout all of history. They have been the norm throughout all of history. What we're actually living in is the aberration, not the norm. That's what we're living in. We're living in times that are actually outside the norm for everyone. So when we talk about uncertain times, we are now being welcomed in to the lives of New Testament Christians and, New, and, and Old Testament believers who've lived with uncertainty for years. They lived with failed crops. They didn't know who was going to be the king. They didn't know was the army going to come and arrest them and take them away. Were they going to be invaded and enslaved? They lived with a continual situation of uncertainty. Peace, prosperity and plenty have been our experience for maybe 50, 60, 70 years at best. And for a small coterie of society, it was probably the norm that there was plenty. But for a vast majority of people, uncertainty was the norm. And I think there's the difference between, say, city livers and country livers or farmers who expect that there will be bad years. But we city slickers, we seem to think that all of the years are going to be good. Where can we find, however, certainty in uncertain times? Where can we find it? Obviously, I'm going to say we can find it in God's word. We can find certainty in God himself. I want to look at a passage of scripture this morning. I want to look at Romans chapter 8. I'm going to look at verses 31 
to 39. And as I look at these verses this morning, what I want to do is I want to look at what Paul was saying to a people who lived at a time when the Roman Empire was at its height. It was at the, the strongest point in its existence. And Christians were about to become personas non grata within that empire. Up to this point, they were kind of doing okay. But in the decades that would come, the Christian community all over the Roman Empire, in certain provinces, worse than in others, of course, but almost all over the Roman Empire would be in trouble and would face very, very uncertain persecutions and difficulties. When we get to this passage in Romans chapter 8, what we've seen is that Paul has been building this argument that God has, we no longer have to live by the rules, we no longer have to obey the Old Testament Jewish law to be right with God, that God has done everything in his power to make us right with him, that we don't have to be um, we're, we're wondering and worrying if we were going to fulfill the Old Testament law and whether or not we were going to be acceptable to God. And Paul is making this argument right up to Romans chapter 8. And where I'm going to come in the story, he has just laid out the point that God has called us, he has chosen us, and now he's going to give us his glory as well. And that's where the argument, he, that's where he takes the argument here in Romans chapter 8. I'm going to go straight into it. I'm going to go straight into it in verse 31. And may God bless us as we read his word today. May God speak to us by his Holy Spirit. Encourage us and build us up. Knowing, Lord, that you have taken generations upon generations upon generations of Christian people through the most difficult periods of time by depending upon you and what your word says to our lives. We pray that prayer in Jesus' name. Here's what Paul begins by saying. What shall we say then, he says, about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? It is the first of seven questions that Paul asks in this very short passage. He has seven different questions. What shall we say about such wonderful things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Paul's argument is kind of going this way, that what, what's going on in our minds and our hearts and our souls when we think that somehow things are going to be going against us or that things in general can go against us if God is for us. In actual fact, another argument that he's making is that God may not be for us. And one of the arguments that he's making here, in actual fact, if we continue on in the passage, he, he, makes, the, he makes the argument here as we look at the next couple of questions. He says, who dares to accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? It's a rhetorical question. It's not meant to come up with some answer. He's asking a rhetorical question, and the answer is self-evident within the question. Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? God has chosen us. He has picked us out. He has called us. So why on earth would he then condemn us? And that's his argument. He's saying, why would God condemn us when he's called us? And he goes on to say this. He says, who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. He is sitting at the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. And in doing this, Paul addresses two big errors that Christians have gotten into over the centuries and over the generations. The first is the earliest area, error, and that is that God is somehow holding out on us. That there's something that God is holding back from us, that God is holding back from us good things that we could enjoy and that would be good for our lives. It's really the very first lie, if you will, in the book of Genesis, where, they, where the serpent says, has God really said, when he begins to question God's goodness and begins to suggest to Adam 
that God is somehow holding out. He begins to suggest to Eve, my apologies, and then she passes the message on to Adam, like a virus. That God is somehow holding out and that somehow God is against us. I've met many Christians over many, many years. And I've been a Christian for, since 1986, so you can go off and do the maths yourself. But I've been a Christian for that long. And in that time, I've met so many Christians who were sad and downcast continually because they really felt that God was against them. That they were too sinful. That they were making continuous mistakes. And that the judgment and the harshness and the anger of God was against them. Paul is saying the exact opposite here. He's saying, what are you worried about being condemned? For goodness sake, God himself has given us right standing with himself. Why would he give his son Jesus and then in the same process be against us? It makes no sense. And that's what Paul's argument is here. The other mistake that people make is that they believe that God wants to give you everything. And that personal success, personal good health, Personally good relationships and material wealth are all that God wants to give you. And that God wants to bless this life of yours beyond imagining. Now, yes I know God wants to bless his people and the promises of God's blessing are all of the Bible. That is absolutely and unquestionably true. If you read the scriptures you know that God loves to bless his people. But the idea that the only thing that God wants to do is give you a good life in this life is not what the scriptures teach at all. And above all else, they're not what the New Testament teaches. And why is that? Well, Paul continues on in his argument and he begins to ask a question. So he's saying, How, who will condemn us if God hasn't condemned us? Who will be against us if God is for us? So God isn't against us. So what power on earth will actually succeed over us if God is for us? And that's the question. In the middle of this current crisis, whatever comes against you, remember this, God is for you not against you. Would anyone say amen out there in social media land? Let's see how the argument continues on as Paul asks the next couple of very probing questions. And these are important questions. He says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Now the love that was demonstrated in going to the cross, he goes on to say, does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or are hungry are destitute, are in danger, are threatened with death. Now, what's important to bear in mind here is that Paul is not talking about a hypothetical situation. I mean, hypothetically speaking, does it mean that God no longer loves us if we hypothetically experience trouble or calamity? No. What he's talking about here is the real-life experiences of real-life three-dimensional Christians who follow Jesus with all of their hearts and yet still at times experienced trouble, who experienced calamitous events. They experienced calamities, infant mortality, the sickness and death of people in their prime. They, they, they experience this. They also experience persecution. At the time when Paul's writing this, persecution is beginning. People are beginning to have their property confiscated from them as they go on. They're having their pro property confiscated. They're being prejudiced against in the courts and so on and so forth. The real killer persecution hasn't quite yet arrived in the Roman Empire, but that's what he's talking about. What about if they're hungry? Or if they're destitute? What? Hungry Christians? No, but surely God is going to bless us. No, because crops fail. And people end up destitute. Paul uses in some of the old translations, it says, what if we go naked? Or, or basically are displayed to public shame as a result of our circumstances. Does that mean that God no longer loves us? 
If the coronavirus gets my family, does that mean that God no longer loves us? If I get it, and God forbid, if I did, if I got it, and I died of it, does that mean that God doesn't, that God doesn't love us anymore? No, it doesn't mean that at all. Because he's continually saying, and he's continually reinforcing, that nothing can separate us from God's love. What if we're threatened with death? Hello? Have you watched the news lately? Everyone is being threatened with death. Death is the big threat that's out there in the street. It's the big fear out there. He says, what if we're being threatened with death? Whether that's by the sword or by some disease. What does he say? Can anything ever separate us? Does it mean that he no longer loves us? Not at all. This is the argument he's making. How can He says we can't be looking at these circumstances. These circumstances do not determine. Do not determine. Do not determine what God's attitude towards us is. They are only circumstances. And circumstances are just circumstantial evidence. And nobody will be condemned in court, normally, on the basis of circumstantial evidence. But he goes on to say something more important. He says, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Jesus Christ. Overwhelming victory is ours through Jesus Christ. What does that mean? It means that even if all of these things happen to us, we'll get through by the skin of our teeth. No. He's saying that because of what Jesus Christ has done for us, we can have the victory even over the awful things that happen to us in life. And we can say something more important and something greater is going on. And I have my eyes fixed on something more permanent than my current circumstances. He goes on to say this. I am convinced that nothing can never separate us from God's love. You're probably very familiar with these passages. But you know, when something happens in your life, whether it is the sickness, your sickness or the sickness of a child, or you lose your job, God forbid, you lose your job, and I know that a, a number of people have already lost their jobs, and we know that the unemployment rate is going to go from basically full employment up to somewhere around 18 or 19%, that's what they're predicting. There's going to be a sudden shock to many people's lives and it's already happened for many people's lives already we're all living in the sudden shock of it he's saying i'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us during those moments when we go lord what's going on in my life what's going to happen next how am i going to cope with this sickness how am i going to cope with going without my work how am i going to cope without being able to get to church i hope you're saying that anyway but how am i going to cope with all of these things well he's saying nothing can never separate us. And you see, what we're, what we're saying is that sometimes our circumstances do intervene and we fall silent. Let me tell you this. If at the moment you're struggling to pray, if at the moment you're falling silent, that's okay. That's okay. God knows what's in your heart. He knows what's in your soul. He knows what's in your mind. And love him, Paul says, in actual fact, he had said just earlier in Romans chapter 8, that God has given us his spirit to intercede for us. When we, can't eat, when we don't even know the words to say. When we can speak, he gives us his Holy Spirit. Can I just say, if you're watching on Instagram, if you're watching on Instagram Live, can I encourage you to move over to the Grace Facebook Live page because we're having difficulty with the connection there to Instagram. So if you can, would you migrate over to the Grace Facebook page? Um, we'll probably be able to stay on it for another few minutes, but we'll see how we go. But if you can move over, that would be really good. So he goes on to say this, and this, this, this is my favorite passage. He says... Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Hallelujah. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. What can separate us? Nothing. Life? No, nope, that won't separate us. Can you imagine 
not being afraid of death. Or better still, not being afraid of the process that leads to death, normally called suffering. Can you imagine what it would be like? What kind of a testimony it would be to be able to say, you know, I know this is difficult. I know these circumstances, but God is good all the time. Not death, nor life, neither angels nor demons. You're familiar with the scripture, and I love my, this is my favorite bit. Neither are fears for today. In a society and in a culture that has become obsessed with fear, I've been saying to everybody I can, don't be afraid, but be careful. The scripture says so many times, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. Why? Because fear has such a power over our minds and our souls. But we'll go to that some other time. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I need to hear that. I hope that you need to hear it too. I think we all need to hear it. We all need to be reminded that whatever goes down, God is for us and not against us. Finally, he says, no power in the sky above. Or in the earth below, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, not in the powers above, nor in the earth below, nothing will be able to separate. And you go, ah, okay, Michael, we got it the first time. Let me tell you this. Truth like this needs to be kneaded and worked into our souls, worked into our hearts, worked into our minds. Like a baker works yeast in. We need to work this stuff into our minds because we will face challenges and we will face uncertainty. We will face times when we don't know what's coming. But there is good news. An American Christian writer called John Bloom says this. I loved it. I loved it when I read it. It left, my heart leapt when I read it. He said... Our uncertainty is only apparent uncertainty. Our future and our provision and our ultimate triumph are certain to God. He sees the end from the beginning. He sees it all. He's outside of time. He's in eternity. He sees it all. So what seems to us as uncertain to God is certain. The matters that we think are not settled, God knows that they're settled. The fears and concerns that we have, God has already been at work to address them. All we are stuck in is our circumstances. Now let me just finish up with a little point about circumstances. I came across a quote by James Allen, who borrowed it from the Greek philosopher Epictetus, and he said this. He said, circumstances don't make the man, they reveal him. So, strange enough, our circumstances don't actually have that much formative power over us. All they do is they reveal what's in us anyway. They just reveal what's in us anyway. And you know the good news about that is that they reveal what's in us to ourselves. But God knows what's in us already. We have no concern. We have absolutely no concern that somehow God is going to discover something about us. He isn't. He knows you. He numbers the hair on your head no matter how few or how less hairs you have at this stage. He knows the number of hairs that you have on your head. He knows about it already. The circumstances are known to him, but they reveal something to ourselves about ourselves. And so, on circumstances, I'm going to come back to a scripture I shared a couple of weeks ago when I was talking about gratitude, and it's from Thessalonians. Now, the thing about the Thessalonian churches, they really, really were being persecuted. They really, really were going without. They really, really were experiencing the price of following Jesus. And that's why Paul writes to them at the end of his letter, Thessalonians, and he says this, never stop praying. Repeat it with me, never stop praying. I want you to say it to the children around you, 
Never stop praying. And be thankful to God when things are going well. Be thankful to God when everything is on top of the world. Be thankful to God when the coronavirus is gone. No, be thankful to God in all circumstances. In every circumstance. Because there is groans to see God at work in all circumstances. We can be thankful for all circumstances because we know that God is at work in them. And he goes on to say, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. If you want to know what God's will for you right now in your situation is, if you want to know what God's plan and purpose for you right now in your circumstances is, it's to never stop praying. And it's to be thankful in all circumstances. And that takes practice. I read, I read um, Philip Yancey. Philip Yancey is an American Christian writer, brilliant, inspirational Christian writer. I've been reading a book on his uh, about prayer. He wrote it back in 2006. It was a really good book. And he, he looks at the whole subject of how Jesus taught us to pray. And then, well, I'm coming towards the end, guys, so you, you can tune up in a couple of seconds. But just bear with me for a second. He said, for all of his readings of the Gospels, he said he felt that he could boil down what Jesus said about prayer into three simple lines. And I love that he said, all of the Gospels, the way that Jesus taught us to prayer can be summed up in these three. He said, first, keep it simple. You don't have to know the complicated language of prayer. You don't have to say, oh, the Lord, I have outsaved thee of all thine presence in mine circumstances. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to know all the language of prayer. Here's a good tip. If you're praying, you're already doing it right. It's a conversation with God. You don't have to get it absolutely right. You don't have to be able to pray eloquently or beautifully. Just keep it simple. Then he says, keep it honest. Ah, hallelujah. Keep it honest. He knows what you're like already. I like what C.S. Lewis says about keeping it honest. He says, come to God as you are, not as you ought to be. Come to God as you are not as you ought to be. In honesty, when we pray honestly, we just basically say to God, well, he already knows already. That's the beautiful thing about being a Christian. It's the beautiful thing about prayer, that we can be as honest as we like in it. We can say, keep it honest. Keep it simple. Keep it honest. And his last tip was this. Keep it up. Really important. Keep it up. Never stop praying. Jesus said, never stop praying. Praying. Jesus said he taught his disciples parables to say that they should pray and they should never give up. So however you have the opportunity, and maybe you have more time now, maybe not, maybe you're working as hard as you've ever done. If you have more time now, this could be a good time to begin a simple practice of keeping it simple, of keeping it honest, and of keeping it up. Because I like this part, because practice makes permanent. It won't make perfect, but it will make it permanent. Last thought before we go. Do you know something? When we stand in our circumstances and our situations and we say, I can't make any sense of this. I've lost my job. My kids are sick. The landlord is threatening to remove me. Whatever circumstances you might be looking at, and every one of us has various circumstances, and every one of us has various prayers and thoughts and longings that we sometimes see are out beyond us. Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, 28. Take this in and let it wash over your soul. We know that God causes everything, everything, to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. He can use everything. Not the odd thing, not the good stuff. He can use everything. 
to, to bring, to get, bring about the good of those who are called according to his purpose. That means that every situation you step into, God can use it. Every circumstance that you might face, God can use it. Every situation that you look at and everything that goes wrong in your life, God can use it. And that was the hope that he was offering these Roman Christians and offering us today. Last verse of the day. This is from Isaiah, writing a long time ago. Writing a long time ago, a long time even before Paul wrote this. I love he says, For since the world began, no ear has heard, no eye has seen a God like you, who works for those who wait for him. Waiting for him is an active waiting. It's not a passive waiting. It's an active waiting. It is going about your business it is being industrious in God's work. It is being industrious about the things that he has called you to do. And by the way, whether that is potting plants or parenting children, that's what God has called you to do in the circumstances that you're in. But those that wait upon him, those that trust him. And the beauty of this is that when, what, what we should be like perhaps as a people is that when we see people who are struggling and don't know what's going to happen and what the future will look like, we can say, I don't know what the future looks like, looks like either. But I know this. The God I know knows the future. To leave you the last quote by Corrie Ten Boom who said, Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. I'm going to come back to this subject again. But before I do that, I'm going to pray. Will you pray with me where you are? Will you close your eyes just for a second? Wherever you are, just close your eyes. You can stay looking at the screen. All you're going to see is me with my eyes closed in the middle of it all. We're going to pray. Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you that whatever the circumstances we face, whatever circumstances the world faces, in the midst of a global crisis, we can remember that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. We can remember that though we are surprised by events, you are never surprised by events. Not the events that happen in the world, nor the events that happen in our lives. And Lord, despite all the conspiracy theories that are out there about where this came from and what this means and what's it going to do, there is one great conspiracy. And that conspiracy is this, that God causes everything, yes, everything, to work together for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose for them. Lord, may we have faith in these uncertain times. May we have an inner confidence, regardless of our external circumstances, that trusts and looks to you, we pray in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Let me tell you what's going to come up on Tuesday. We're going to be here live on Tuesday again. I'm going to do part two of this message. It's, it's um, Faith in Uncertain Times, part two. We're actually going to be going a little bit further back in time, believe it or not, to look at part two. We're going to have another couple of angles on what it means to have faith and to have doubts and to have struggles and, and how to come through them and be victorious in the middle of all of those circumstances. We're now going to sing a song. We're going to sing a song written by an English Christian worship leader, a guy called Matt Redman. And Matt Redman, no, it's okay. Matt Redman wrote uh, some of the most amazing worship songs that have ever been sung in the Christian community. He really is the, in some senses, he's the John Wesley, or he's the John and Charles Wesley of the modern era. He's just an amazing songwriter. And he, he wrote a song called Never Let Go, and that song was written in the circumstances of the London uh, two underground bombing attacks back in July 2007. At the same time, his wife had been going through miscarriage.
for a much longed for child. And in that context, this song was born in his heart. It's called Never Let Go, and I encourage you again to sing with me. valley of the shadow of death. Your perfect love is casting out fear. And even when caught in the middle of the storms of this life, I won't turn back. I know you are near. And I will fear no evil. For my God is with If my God is with me, whom then shall I fear? Whom then shall I fear? And oh no, you never let go through the calm and through the storm. Oh no, you never let go every high and every low. Oh no, you never let go, Lord. Never let go of me. And I can see a light that is coming for the heart that holds on. A glorious light beyond all compare. There will be an end to these troubles, but until that day comes, we'll live to know you here on the earth. And I will fear no evil, for my God is with me. And if my God is with me, whom then shall I fear? Whom then shall I fear? And oh no, you never let go through the Oh, oh no, you never let go Every high, every low Oh no, you never let go, Lord You never let go of me You never let go of me You never let go of me Thank you, Lord, you never let go of us, regardless of our circumstances. Your presence is always available to us. Your goodness is always being worked out in our lives. Continue to bless us as we go into the coming week, we pray. In Jesus' name. bring you just a couple of notices before we finish up and we want to give you some birthdays. We've got a big long list of birthdays just before we go. A couple of notices. Don't forget we're going to be here again on Tuesday night. Tuesday night live. Can we just drop our Tuesday night live? Let's see if we get our notices here. Yes. We're going to be here on Tuesday night again live from the atrium here in Grace 
Christian Church bringing you again a message, some God's word, some community notices as best as we possibly can. We're going to continue with our show notes and our birthdays. We're going to do the very best we can. But if you want to, you can catch up with this service and all the other services we've done online since we started. You can catch up anytime on YouTube at Grace Church Cork, our YouTube channel there. Also on that YouTube channel, there's a playlist. I put up a playlist of 20 Christian worship songs that we've been doing in Grace Church for quite some time. They're up there if you want a playlist and do some worship in the background with some songs that are familiar to you from Grace. Can I again encourage you, send us in your birthdays, send us in your shoutouts and we'll do our very, very best to make sure that we call out to you. Just a couple of other notices just before we get to our birthdays and our closing out. Again, as ever we say, if you want to give an offering at Grace, you're very, very welcome to do so. Obviously in these difficult times, we don't have offering boxes available to people, even though thank you this morning to the person who dropped in. We really appreciate your blessing of dropping in an offering to the church this morning. And really, really thank you for that. Um, but if you want to give, you can give on your phone at give2.graceireland.ie or you can, go, uh, you can go and take out a standing order to our church accounts. It's all over our website. Or you can go to our donations page, which, the, which if you follow this, you go over to your donate, click donate. It'll take you to our donations page. You can scroll down and down here is the giving form. We do appreciate it, but we do understand also that this is a difficult time financial for many people. Uh, so there's no pressure on that. But it's still important that we honour God with our income. It's still important that we do that. So I don't, there's no pressure and there's nobody monitoring and there's nobody chasing you in that. I'm just going to go back to my and May God bless you and watch over everyone in Grace Christian Church. Would anybody say amen? Amen. May God bless you and go with you. We'll see you here. We're live here again Tuesday night, half past seven. Be there or be square. God bless you.